Well, it is good to have you here at City First. Thank you so much for being here. A big shout out to everyone in person and online. Thank you so much. And we are in a series that we are calling Strong in Broken Places. Strong in Broken Places. What we're doing is we're actually looking at the four areas of brokenness that all of us as humans carry. Uh, There isn't one person in the room that isn't broken in these four areas. In fact, the first week, we talked about our broken relationship with God. At one point, maybe some of us were broken because of sin, and that separated us from God. The second week, uh, talked about that we are broken with ourselves. This week, I'm talking about that we are broken with each other. In other words, I'm talking about relationships, and life is made up of relationships. Now, I'm talking all kinds of relationships today. I'm not just talking about the kind that are romantic relationships. So don't mistakenly think that today is about romance. It's not. I'm talking about broken relationships, yes, within romantic relationships, but also in business relationships or family relationships or friendship relationships or communities in general. If you have a broken relationship in your life, if you ever had one, which you probably have, or do, it most likely has created pain and frustration, and it has become a broken place. Today, we're going to talk about how to become strong in the broken places of our relationships. I once heard a story about a husband and wife that got in a little argument, and they got in an argument, and they kind of decided to give each other the silent treatment, and they weren't talking to one another, went through the entire day in the same house, not talking to one another, just passing past each other, eating dinner silently. At night, um, the husband took a little uh, sticky memo and wrote on it, uh, wake me up at six o'clock in the morning and put it on her nightstand, and they went to bed. And so the next morning, they wake up, and he wakes up, and he looks at the clock. It's 8 o'clock in the morning. And he is frustrated. He gets out of bed, and he sees that she's already gone out of bed, and he's about ready to go out into the kitchen, and he's going to let her have it. And then he looks down at his nightstand, and there's this little sticky memo that says, it's 6 o'clock, 6.30, wake up. (laughs) Wake up. Wake up. We all have these moments in our relationships where there's tension, there's brokenness, there's misunderstanding. Sometimes there's even wrong that has been done. And so today I want to talk about the F word. You ready? Forgiveness. Not the other F word you were thinking. (laughs) Forgiveness. It is um, one of the hardest things to do in a relationship many times is to choose forgiveness. And so I've entitled today's message, My Bucket List. Now, if you ever heard of this kind of saying of a bucket list, it normally is about people who have a list of things um, that they want to do before they kick the bucket. In other words, they want to go skydiving, they want to go to Hawaii, they want to take a cruise to Alaska, they want to do something before they die and kick the bucket. Well, today, the bucket list is a little bit different. I want to talk about the bucket list like this. All the people that are in your bucket that have offended you, have hurt you, betrayed you, and maybe you wish would kick the bucket. <laughs> Just kidding. Some of you are like, ooh, that's, that's me. Well, no, 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 I'm, I'm kidding, kind of, because there are some of you are like, oh, no, that's real. 
That's real. I want to talk about uh, the bucket of offenses that you carry. Because all of us have offenses, like um, these rocks. They represent, well, maybe this right here. This is Michael, okay? Uh, Michael was uh, the best man in your wedding. And, you know, you guys have been like thick as thieves uh, for decades. And then all of a sudden, uh, within the last few years or last year or whatever, Michael did some things that were very offensive to you. Um, He said some things that were very offensive to you. It's blown up the entire friendship And now it's in your bucket. How about this person right here? Uh, This represents Brittany. Brittany is your ex, all right? You guys were dating. You almost got engaged. In fact, maybe even you already bought the ring. And guess what? You found out that Brittany was cheating on you on Friday nights with somebody else out at the bar, right? Um, Guess what? goes in your bucket list. How, how, about, how about this person right here? This is Trey. Trey was your business partner, and you guys started a business together. It was going really good, and then all of a sudden, you started to realize that your, um, you know, your bills were piling up and such like this, and you found out that Trey was taking money out the side door, and the entire business that you and Trey started has folded since then because he decided to do some stuff and take money from the business, and now you're frustrated over that, right? This is Jasmine right here. Jasmine was a good friend of yours. In fact, you've been friends since college, and, uh, and then you all of a sudden discovered last year that Jasmine has been lying to you and living a totally different life and doing totally things that you would disagree with and such like that. You thought you knew Jasmine, but you didn't really know Jasmine because she was lying to you goes in your bucket. This is Brian. Brian, you know, he, he was your boss, and, and, um, and he ended up, uh, you found out, um, he, he kind of nullified or canceled out your promotion just because he doesn't like you, and he's threatened by your talents and your skills, and he's threatened by his thinking that he's going to lose his job, and so what he's done is he's gone to his boss, and he's made you look like you're an incompetent person at the company. And you found out that you're not getting that promotion, you're not getting that raise. Hit home, anybody? Sound familiar? This week, I was talking to a friend of mine who told me of a friend of his, let's call him Bob. Uh, And Bob had a friend named Jake, and and, uh, you know what? Jake did some things to Bob, and really, I heard the story, and I'm like, yeah, Jake's kind of a jerk. And my friend told me that anytime Jake's name comes up with Bob, his demeanor changes. Like almost immediately, Bob starts seeing red. You could tell in his voice. You could tell in his words. There's hurt. There's anger. There's bitterness. It's like, my friend was telling me, it's like, it's like Bob changes. It's almost like, boom, the minute you say Jake's name. Well, why? Why is that? Well, here's the reason why. Because when someone hurts you, when someone offends you, when somebody betrays you, you get weighed down by all of these things in your heart, and it affects your walk. You don't walk the way that you walked when there was nothing in there. But instead, now you're walking with a burden, you're heavy, you're, 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 you're trying to like, make it look like you're good, like everyone around you are like, I'm good, I'm good, and everybody looks at you and goes, no, oh, no, no, you're not good, you're not good. And then comes this pastor, like the one on the stage today. And the pastor looks at you at a church service, 
and says what you really don't want to hear, says that you need to forgive them. And you know what? When you hear that, internally, you think to yourself, when hell freezes over. I know you, because I know me. It's not that simple. Otherwise, everybody would just do it. You get offended, big offense, big hurt, ah, I'll just forgive them, and you forgive them and you move on. It's not that easy. It is hard to forgive. You don't want to forgive. You don't want to give forgiveness. You want to give them a piece of your mind, right? You don't want to forgive. It's like you kind of want to dig your key into the side of his pretty little souped-up four-wheel drive. Carve your name into his leather seats. Take a Louisville slugger, both headlights, and slash a hole in all four tires. Maybe next time he'll think before he cheats, right? Some of you are like, that's my anthem song. <laughs> Between services, someone told me it was funny. They heard that story in the first service. They're like, they're like, yeah, it's like my generation used to listen to Carrie Underwood, and you take a Louisville slugger. And this generation, it's like I buy myself flowers, Miley Cyrus. <laughs> and this person said, I like the Louisville Slugger better. <laughs> you know, um, the reason we have trouble forgiving is because what that person did to us hit us in our, um, in our moral core, in our heart. Like, we just feel it was literally flat out wrong. And if we trusted that person, and if that person was close to us, and we love that person, I'll tell you what, it is difficult. And after the shock of offense, usually our first reaction is revenge to a certain degree. Like, like I want to get back at them. And we fantasize about telling that person off, usually in the shower, Right? Like we spend maybe like 5% washing our hair of the time and 10% singing country songs because those are fun to sing whenever you've been offended because it's about the person that broke up with you and the pickup truck breaking down and the dog that dies or whatever, you know. But the other 85%, the other 85% of the time in the shower, you're telling that person off. You're having that conversation and you are doing a great job at it, aren't you? Right? But slowly over time, that hurt turns into anger, and that anger turns into bitterness, and before you know it, that bitterness turns into brokenness. That's the step we never think about. We know about the hurt and the bitterness, but do you realize that if you're hurt and bitter for too long, all of a sudden you become broken, and your walk is different, and you're carrying around a bunch of weight. So why are we even talking about forgiveness today? Why do we want to talk about this in this area of brokenness and how do we become strong in this area? The reason why we're talking about forgiveness is probably my favorite quote about forgiveness is by a man by the name of Bishop Desmond Tutu. And he said this, without forgiveness, there is no hope. There is no future. There is no hope. There is no future. Without forgiveness, there is no future. And here's what I want. I want us all to have a future. I want us to have a future that doesn't look like this, all right? But rather, a future where you are free. So what are the offenses in your bucket today? What are the ones that you're carrying around? Because today, I want to paint a picture of forgiveness that is different, and I would even say more accurate, 
than maybe what you assume it is. Because the minute I talk about forgiveness, some of you are thinking this. When I say forgive that person, you're thinking letting them off the hook. That is not what forgiveness means. In fact, from all the years of talking to people about forgiveness and even all the years I've personally had to listen to my own sermons and I've had to forgive people, there are questions that come up when it comes to forgiveness and I wanna spend the rest of our time today answering some of those questions. So here's some common questions about forgiveness. The first one is this, do I have to forgive and forget? The key there in yellow gold, whatever that is, is forget. Well, the answer to that is no. No. You, you should forgive, but how do you forget? That idea of forgiving and forgetting, um, that kind of goes back to like the 14th century in England. is the first time that we can see that that was spoken or thought of, which means for hundreds of years, many people have believed something that is impossible to do. How do you forget your spouse committing adultery. I mean, really, let's go there for a minute. How do you forget the drunk driver that paralyzed your child? Oh, just forgive and forget. How do you do that? How do you forget the person that betrayed you deeply? How do you forget the business partner that took all the money? Here's the answer. You don't forget. There's no way to forget that. Like, like, this is not like, you know, you know, men in black, you stare into the little device and boop, and your memory goes. It's not like that. It is not like that. And well-meaning Christians come along and they'll say things like, well, God forgives and forgets, therefore you should too. Well, yes, but here's the, the, the difference. Uh, the difference is that, that we are not God. And, and you know what, uh, we, we are to become more like God, but we are not God. Here's an illustration, here's an illustration. I'm gonna have, uh, um, you know, Jacob, come up here a minute, brother. Uh, he doesn't know I'm doing this. This is one of our uh, wonderful City First Leadership College students. Get up for Jacob as he comes forward here. Stand over here, buddy, all right? All right, so anyway, um, let's say we have Jacob here, okay? And. <laughs> <laughs> all right, he doesn't know what I'm doing right now. I'm just up here hitting him. This is, this is, you know, I'm taking out all my frustration, all right? Now, here's the thing. Did you notice something when I started hitting Jacob with my Nerf sword here? Um, did you notice at first he didn't see it coming? But then when I went to go hit him again, he, he got a little, like, like he started to protect himself, all right? There's something there. By not forgetting, you actually learn for your future. Does that make sense? So, so here's the thing. When, when you're hurt and where you're offended, guess what? When somebody hits you and, and they hit you once, maybe you're not ready. They hit again and guess what? You're, 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 you're defending yourself. And, and, and here's the thing. That is okay. Now, what I'm not advocating is you put up walls and never let anybody in. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is with every hurt, you can learn from it. I'm not saying you want to go through the hurt. I'm not saying the hurt was right or none of that. What I'm saying is you can learn from it. Go ahead and give Jacob a huge round of applause. I want you. All right. <laughs> All right. Here's the thing. The reason our God can forgive and forget is number one, he's God. Number two, he has nothing to learn because he knows it all and he has nothing to protect because he's almighty. That is not you and I. 
Now, by saying that we should not forget, I'm not saying that we should fixate on the offense forever. Now, at first, you're probably going to fixate on it. When somebody hurts you, you're going to think about it. You're going to have trouble sleeping. You have conversations in the shower, probably in the car. You're, you're going to do all the things, right? But over time, this should not be something that you fixate. There's a difference between not forgetting and fixating. We do need to remember some things. We need to remember more than just the pain. We need to remember what we learned, And we need to most of all remember what God promises to do in us when we bring our hurts to him. So that's a good question. Should you just forgive and forget? Well, you should forgive, but you're probably not going to forget. You should actually forgive and learn. Second question I get a lot is this. Is it okay to get angry about what happened? I know some of you are like going, please say yes. Please say yes. Well, the answer is yes. It is okay to get angry about what happened. In fact, I would actually be a little disturbed if you had somebody deeply hurt you and you felt nothing. If you felt nothing, I'm like, okay, brother, we're going to counseling, right? See, when you're hurt or you're offended or you're betrayed, you lose something. And every time you lose something, there's grief. Like, for example, you might have lost trust. You might have lost a marriage. You might have lost innocence. You might have lost love. You might have lost a person in the process. You might have lost a job. Whatever it is, where there is loss, there must be a season of grieving. And that is okay. So yes, you feel the feels. And sometimes that means anger. In fact, grieving many times starts with denial. What do I mean by denial? It means this, that something happens and you're grieving and you're asking yourself, did that really happen? That couldn't have just happened. Like you're, you're like, did, this, didn't, this isn't real. Is this really my life? I mean, I've seen other people go through this. I've seen it in the movies. I've read about it, but I can't believe it's happening to me. You know, it starts with denial, but then hopefully it ends with a sense of acceptance. And when I say acceptance, it's kind of a weird word. I was trying to think of another word for that. Acceptance doesn't mean approval. It doesn't mean it's okay, but you kind of go, yeah, this did happen. In fact, here I would say is the optimal process of forgiveness and grieving, all right? This is optimal. Uh, it's, 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 it's what we should uh, try to strive for, but, but sometimes we fall short. First of all, the offense turns into denial. Denial then many times will turn into sadness Um, which then maybe can turn into anger. Sometimes anger and sadness are flip-flop there. But you feel the sadness and you feel the anger. Now, at this point, after anger, it's very important. It's kind of like that um, poem that Robert Frost uh, wrote and that you probably heard back in high school English, two roads diverged in a yellow wood. In other words, you come to a Y in the road, all right? And at that point, you have a choice after anger. You have a choice to either take The path of bitterness and vengeance and hatred, which leads to brokenness, or you take the other road that is this, again, this is optimal, forgiveness, which leads to acceptance. You're like, okay, this is, this did happen, which leads to learning, which leads then to God's purpose, because this is not in your notes, Romans 8.28, write that down. The Bible says that God will work 
all things to his good. In other words, he'll work the good things in your life and sometimes the hurtful things. Not sometimes, he will. The hurtful things in your life for his good if we allow him to put us on the right path. Don't take the road of bitterness and anger and hate, but rather the road of forgiveness and acceptance and learning and purpose. And guess what? You will, at that point, you'll have purpose, God's purpose. He'll turn it all around. Now, anger is not bad, but I would say this. It's bad if you live there. Some people live angry. Something happened to them even decades ago, and they're still carrying this anger. That's not what I'm talking about. There is a season that you will feel anger, but you should not live in that anger. Now, you may visit it from time to time, but you should not live in it forever. And if you allow that anger to just live in your life, pretty soon you're going to carry around a heavy weight and it begins to destroy you and create brokenness. You know, um, when it comes to forgiveness, I say this a lot, it's like, it's like if someone offends you and you're angry at them and you want to get back at them and you hate them and all that, that's like drinking poison and hoping they die. Okay? Forgiveness is more for you than it is for the other person. Let me say it again. Forgiveness is more for you. You see, when you live in a prison of unforgiveness, forgiveness opens the door and actually gives you the freedom. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, it says, be careful that none of you fails to respond to the grace which God gives, for if he does, there can very easily spring up in him a bitter spirit. The point here is this, is that bitter spirits can spring up real easy in our lives, all right? Um, Which is not only bad in itself, but can also poison the lives of many others. Your bitterness does not just poison you, it poisons your close relationships and your friends and family, and kids, and parents, and you name it. And so here's the thing. You got to make sure that your anger is not someplace that you live. It's just someplace that you visit. Number three, here's another question I get. Um, Is forgiveness a one-time event? The answer to that is no. In fact, um, there should be a moment that you mark that you say, I forgive that person, but you may actually have to forgive that person every single day until your heart becomes healthy again. I mean, I honestly, I've had people that have hurt me, uh, hurt Jen, and uh, I have had to get up every day and be like, I forgive that person. I forgive that person. I choose it every day. In fact, I will tell you, your chooser engages before your feeler ever wants to. All right? So, so the more serious the offense, the more you probably have to say, I forgive that person. You probably, you might have to do it for a little while. Here's another question. Should you wait until the person who hurt you repents before you forgive? The answer to that is no. And here's the reason why. You may be waiting your whole life. There are some people who are so full of pride that hurt you, they will never admit that they were wrong. And if you are waiting for that person to come hat in hand and knock at your door and say, I am so sorry, you may be waiting until kingdom come for that because that person 
will not bring themselves to that place of humility. Also, conversely, there are people who honestly don't understand the depravity of their actions. They, they actually hurt you, and they're like, what's the big deal? And you're like, what's the big deal? It blew up my life. That's the big deal. And you don't, they don't understand how much they hurt you. In fact, Jesus said this when he was dying on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. So Jesus modeled it. We have to forgive people even when they don't know the depravity of their actions. The person who hurt you may not even be alive anymore. So what happens then? If you're waiting for a, I'm sorry, well, they're not even alive anymore. What, what, what do you do then? No, you have to forgive regardless of what that other person thinks or how they behave. And, and again, remember this, remember this, forgiveness is for your freedom. That's why. There's a book out called Forgiving the Unforgivable. It's a pretty raw book. I want to warn you on that. Um, but it's a guy by the name of David Stoop who wrote it. And he said this. He goes, forgiving other people does not in any way benefit or let them off the hook. Can I get a big amen on that one? That is huge. I'm telling you, we think forgiveness means it lets people off the hook. It doesn't. All right, it allows us to cancel the debt they owe us, which in all probability, they can never pay anyway. Goes on to say, we are the ones who are freed. I wanna say that again, get it in your spirit. We are the ones who are freed from the expectation of restitution for the wrongs done to us. Forgiveness unlocks the cage that you're in. It unlocks the jail that you're in. Forgiveness is God's way of helping your life move forward. Do you hear that? Here's another, another question. Does time heal all wounds? My answer to that is not really, not necessarily. Just letting time pass is not the same as forgiveness. All right? Um, <laughs> it, it is, it, it, you think to yourself, well, I have this, this, um, this kind of tiff with my brother. Uh, we're growing up now. We just don't talk. In time, everything will be okay. Not necessarily. In fact, time can take the vividness out of the memories of hurt. But time, many times, actually grows unforgiveness. It actually... It, it festers, it grows, it's like an infection. It grows inside of you. So listen, forgiveness is a proactive activity. It's not something that is passive, it is proactive. You have to do it. There needs to be a moment that you say, I choose to forgive. So it isn't just letting time go by. Here's another question. If I forgive someone, does that mean I need to pursue reconciliation? Ooh, that's a good question. The answer to that is not necessarily. You know, some of you, you might be afraid or hesitant to forgive because in your mind you're thinking, that means I got to become BFF again with this person. And that is not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. Nor does forgiveness mandate reconciliation. Now let me come over to this side of the coin though. If reconciliation is possible then it should be pursued, if it's possible. There are some offenses, it's not possible. 
Like I think of, um, I, well, I don't want to give examples, but my point is, is this, there are some offenses out there that are so deeply hurtful that, that it is unsafe to reconcile. Does that make sense? But there are also other offenses where reconciliation is possible. If it's possible, then pursue it. If not, then it's not mandated. Sometimes not everything can go back into the box. Does that make sense? Jesus was asked, or asked his disciples, he said, hey, how many times should we forgive somebody? And, uh, and Peter, wanting to win the gold star award uh, for, for the class that day, he wanted to be the gold star student, he answered seven times. Why you say gold star? Because rabbis of the day, these are the religious leaders, the pastors of Jesus' day, they basically came up with this number. They said you only have to forgive somebody three times. That's it. Your spouse, your business associate, whoever. You only got to forgive them three times. Now, where they came up with this number, no one knows. They literally pulled it out of their nose. I mean, like, it, it's not in the Bible, um, but, but they, they, they were teaching in Jesus' day, you only got to forgive three times. So Peter is like, Jesus says, how many times should we forgive? And he's like, seven times. More than double what the rabbis are saying. Add one to make it the perfect number of God, seven. And Jesus says this, no, not seven times, but rather 70 times seven. That's 490 times. Do you think Jesus is actually giving a specific number there? No. What he's trying to say is, is this, you should never stop forgiving. Now I say that, and some of you bristle at that, but listen, remember what forgiveness does. It makes you free. So the minute you stop forgiving, you become a prisoner to hate and bitterness and offense and anger and all those things. So yes, you should never stop forgiving, Jesus says. But he didn't say this. He didn't say you should never stop reconciling. In fact, there are times where reconciliation is not possible. You should never stop forgiving, but that doesn't mean that you always have to reconcile. For reconciliation to happen, the other person needs to have done their part, right? And that's out of your control. And sometimes the other person won't do their part. So as I begin to close here, some of us maybe feel like this is, this is kind of an uncomfortable subject. And I get it because it's usually deep in the heart is where, is where offense lands. So today I'm doing a heart surgery. I'm not, I'm not just, you know, removing a mole. <laughs> I'm cracking your chest and we're, we're getting in there, Okay. And that can become kind of delicate, and it can become sensitive. So here's my question as we close. If not forgiveness, then what's the alternative? Think about that. If not forgiveness, if you're like, I don't believe it. That person doesn't deserve my forgiveness. Oh, man, I never said they did. I never said they deserved anything but you're giving forgiveness because you want to be free. And you don't want to have a walk that's broken and weighed down with all kinds of weights of offenses that are in your bucket. So yeah, that person doesn't deserve it. I would agree with you on that. They don't deserve it at all. But what's the alternative? What's the alternative? Bitterness? 
hate, revenge, carrying around the hurt for the rest of your life indefinitely? I mean, what's, what's the alternative? You ever think about that? It's like, well, if I don't forgive, then what? Well, someday, like, do you want, you know, your children or grandchildren or those look up to you to look at you and say, I don't know if I want to grow up to be like dad because dad is so bitter. Because here's the thing, no matter how much you try to hide it, your walk is different when you carry offense. People see it. Your kids see it. Your spouse sees it. Your parents see it. Your best friend, your coworkers, they all see it. Or, or, or someday, you don't want your kids to say, I don't want to be like mom because she's so full of hate. And it literally is impacting her physically because hate will do that over time. Hate and bitterness begins to deteriorate you physically. You could ask science and doctors about what happens after decades of carrying hate and bitterness, what it does to a person physically. You don't, you don't, want, you don't want your grandkids to look at you and say, I don't know if I want to be like grandpa because he always got revenge. He's kind of a scary person. You don't want that. These, these are not characteristics that we admire in people, right? It says in Romans chapter 12, verse 17 through 19, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And this is the part. And if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, not what that other person did or is doing, but as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Try to live at peace as far as it depends on you. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room. Now, I love what Paul says here. When you take revenge, you're stepping into God's space at that point. He's the righteous judge, you aren't. When you take revenge, you, don't, you, you gotta leave room for God's wrath for it's written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. In other words, God is a more than capable judge. And can I say this? He is objective. He knows everything. And he is going to judge righteously. You know, um, years ago, many years ago, both Jen and I had some people that really hurt us, and one person in particular, and we were both carrying so much offense individually. And it was something where this person had hurt both of us and, you know, and so much so that Jen and I went to counseling. Like, literally, we went to counseling because we had to, we were, it was affecting our walk. Like, like my staff was looking at Jen and I and saying, you guys are, you guys are carrying something. We could tell. It was affecting my leadership it was affecting the staff. I mean, not maybe directly, but I was not the healthiest Jeremy. And I think I could speak on behalf of Jen. She wasn't the healthiest Jen. Now, again, I want to make this clear. This wasn't between Jen and I. This was us and somebody that hurt us. Okay? So we went to um, a counselor, and we actually flew out of state because... A lot of people know who we are. <laughs> and we needed to go somebody who didn't know us and didn't care and honestly was unbiased. 
went to uh, Florida, and we uh, went into four days of counseling, intensive counseling. And during day three, our counselor, this guy, amazing counselor, Dr. Walker, he, uh, he said, hey, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go buy both of you five-gallon buckets at Home Depot, and I want you to go down, drive to the beach. It's like, you know, half hour, 45 minutes away. Drive to the beach, and when you get to the beach, I want both of you to take your little five-gallon buckets individually. I want you to separate, and I want you to spend the entire afternoon on the beach, and I want you to go find some rocks. And um, every rock represents an offense. It's a circumstance, that one time that so-and-so did this, or maybe the rock represents a person, but I want you to find some rocks, and I want you to put them in your bucket. I want you to carry them around a little bit. I want you to pray and take your time. And then, when it feels right, even if you don't want to do this, I want you to take each rock, each offense, and I want you to basically give it to God. And this was what the, the whole thing was based upon. It was based upon a verse that is found in First Peter. Let me read it to you, okay? When they hurled their insults at him, capital H there, capital H, that means Jesus. When they hurled their insults at Jesus, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted, everybody say the word entrusted, ready? Entrusted himself to him who judges justly, meaning God. He gave his hurts and his offenses to God the Father. He entrusted himself. And so our, our uh, counselor said, I want you to take your bucket and I want you to take the rocks for every person. I want you to pray over that offense and say, God, I'm now entrusting it to you. And I want you to go ahead and take that rock and I want you to pitch it into the ocean to never be found again. That is your way of saying you are gonna entrust this offense to God the Father, who's a righteous judge. So we did it. Spent four hours on a beach. In fact, here's a picture. It's my bucket. It's my bucket. I'm not saying you take a bucket and you do rocks, although I'll tell you what, I just gave you a great tool if you want to do that. Go to a go to the Rock River here in Rockford. Go, go somewhere, you know, and you know, and, and just say, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this offense, this person, and I'm gonna entrust this thing to you. You're the righteous judge. I'm not the judge. I'm gonna give it to you. And you throw it into the river, throw it into the lake, throw it into the pond, whatever. Never to be found again. Something happened that day. Now I want to tell you, I want to be truth in advertising here. Wasn't like I was never frustrated again at those people or that person. Wasn't like there weren't times where I wasn't angry. But something happened that day where I kept on reminding myself, no, God, I've now entrusted this to you. I forgive. I've entrusted it to you. I'm no longer going to go on Instagram and see if those people's lives are falling apart. Some of you are doing that. Who or what is in your bucket? Let's pray. Jesus, I just pray right now that you would help us to be people who forgive so that we have a future. It is not lost on me that there are some people here that there are big things in their bucket, big offenses that have taken place. It's not an easy fix. But God, I pray that we would entrust 
our pain, the people that hurt us, the circumstances, whatever it is, that we would entrust them to you because God, you are the righteous judge. The minute that we try to take up arms, and we try to retaliate, all that does is put us back in the prison of bitterness. God, help us to be strong in broken places by choosing to forgive and entrusting our hurt and those people to you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Can you give God a huge round of applause?